Welcome back to episode 34 and the first recorded episode for 2023. I haven't done a podcast episode by myself since last August, so I'm feeling super rusty to be honest. But today I'm doing a bite-sized episode touching on iron. So I'm keen at some stage in the future to do a full episode solely on iron and take a super deep dive into more of the research and science. But for now, simply being short on time, I'm just going to do a bite-sized chunk. So to start with a fun fact, iron is one of the most common micronutrient deficiencies in the world and makes up 50% of all anemias. So with the food we eat, we have our macronutrients and micronutrients. So macronutrients are what we require in large amounts each day as they provide us with energy. It's kind of like the fuel in the car. So macronutrients include fat, protein and carbs as well as alcohol as alcohol technically provides a lot of energy but no nutritional value. So a bit of a side note there, do you know that pure alcohol is the second most energy dense macronutrient after fat. So yes, even your sugar-free drinks or low carb options still certainly have a lot of energy in them. I'm keen to do a whole separate episode on alcohol in the future, but I've also been slightly apprehensive as I find a lot of people can be a little bit dismissive around alcohol if, I guess when you're talking about the facts, um, because no one really wants to hear the truth of how bad it is for you. <laughs> um, but what I will say for now is that there is zero safe limit for drinking alcohol and it does carry significant health risks. But I'm getting off topic. So coming back, we've talked about macronutrients and then we have micronutrients and that's like the oil to the car. So micronutrients is our vitamins and minerals and vitamins are organic compounds and include our B vitamins our fat-soluble vitamins, so that's A, D, E, K, and vitamin C, to name a few. And then the minerals can be divided further into macro-minerals and micro-minerals. So macro-minerals are the minerals we require in larger quantities, like calcium and magnesium. And then we have micro-minerals, which we really only require in these tiny trace amounts, but those trace amounts are so important for health. And iron is a micromineral. A couple of others as examples is things like copper and zinc. Over 60% of iron found in our body is within our red blood cells. So it's part of the haemoglobin structure. And you'll often see haemoglobin if you get a full blood count in your blood test. And haemoglobin is super important because it transports oxygen all around the body. And that's pretty important if you're thinking about athletic performance and feeling like you have energy and um, thriving in your day, basically. So iron is also found in a compound called myoglobin, and that is also found in our muscles, and that basically stores oxygen. So iron plays a fundamental part in our immune function, our metabolic reactions, and energy production. So when you have a blood test and they do the iron panel, or maybe just ferritin, the most important marker of that is ferritin. I mean, you do need to consider the iron panel as well, 
but ferritin reflects the body's iron store and the normal range is considered 20 to 200 micrograms per litre. With a lot of the clients I work with, I typically encourage iron supplementation if that ferritin is under 50, especially if they are training quite hard or are a competitive athlete. It also depends on the individual and how they are presenting and maybe other symptoms or um, health issues that I've got going on as well. And I, I do know some people who can have quite significant symptoms of deficiency under a ferritin of 70. So again, very much case by case and it's something that needs to be individualized and discussed with your health professional. In my work, I would say it's super common for female athletes to prevent with levels between 20 and 40, um, which is pretty suboptimal. Uh, yes, normal if we're looking at the lab results, but suboptimal with regards to how you feel in performance. Um, seldom would I see men under 100 for ferritin. And besides maybe some of my really competitive male athletes who might train 50 to 20 hours per week, theirs sometimes can be a little bit lower, but yeah, men typically have pretty good ferritin levels. So how might we feel if we have iron deficiency? Basically the symptoms all come back to energy production and oxygen distrib distribution. So very commonly people say they're so tired, super fatigued. Um, shortness of breath, people might have changes in mood, irritability being quite a common one. Um, some people experience mouth ulcers, reduced immunity, so getting sick frequently. People can look a bit pale, affect the colour of the skin, they might have brittle nails, um, poor concentration, and a bit of a random one, it's called pica. Um, and this is more often seen at real end-stage iron deficiency. So basically where your ferritin or your body's iron store becomes so depleted, it then starts to affect the amount of haemoglobin you have, and then you start to see that haemoglobin drop below where it needs to be. And that's where we say it's iron deficiency anemia. So there's different stages of iron deficiency. Um, and it's at that very end stage of deficiency where you may see pica. And it's basically the craving for non-food items. So things like ice and even soil. So where does our iron come from? Iron is actually really poorly absorbed as a whole. And the biggest influence on how much we absorb is actually what our current iron status is. So for example, if you have low iron, your body will respond to that and absorb more iron from the food you're consuming. And then someone who has higher levels of iron, their body will absorb less. So it's just trying to keep, the body is trying to keep you in an optimal range, basically, like everything. Uh, another really important consideration is the iron in our food is not all made equal. So it comes in two forms. We have our heme iron and non-heme. So heme sources is basically anything from an animal product, animal-based food, uh, and it's really, it's quite well absorbed. And then we have non-heme, which is from our plant-based sources and is quite poorly absorbed. So heme iron from our animal sources is, is things like Seafood mussels, um, your red meat, so beef steak, lamb, can come from fish, chicken, eggs, 
Um, yeah, uh, liver is also very, very high, but um, I don't know heaps of people who eat liver regularly, including myself. Um, I don't know if I've even ever tried liver, to be honest. Um, Non-heme iron is plant-based, so this is things like spinach, chickpeas, baked beans, seeds, marmite, etc. Um, and I would have to double check the stats on this, but I'm pretty sure it's something like non-heme is absorbed about 10 times less effectively compared to heme iron. So your spinach is not comparative to steak, sorry. <laughs> Um, people say, oh, you know, I must have really high iron intake because I'm eating all the spinach and things, but um, the amount you get is probably not much at all. And another thing to consider is non-heme, so our plant-based sources of iron is often much more affected by some of the other dietary factors. So this is things like polyphenols and tea, coffee, red wine, herbal tea, phytates, often in like grain foods and nuts, oxalic acid, which you find in spinach rhubarb, silver beet, um, and also calcium. So calcium can compete for absorption in your bowel as well. So that's obviously in your dairy foods um, and also if someone's supplementing. So uh, our plant-based sources are naturally higher in those compounds um, and it's already poorly absorbed plus you have those factors as well. So just important to consider that. There's also a dietary compound that helps the absorption of iron you probably know what I'm talking about, but that is vitamin C. And this is why you often see a lot of iron supplements have iron with vitamin C added. So when eating meals that contain iron, you should always try and pair them with fruit and veg. I mean, you should be doing that anyway, uh, as this will really enhance their iron, iron absorption. Some really good sources of vitamin C is your citrus fruits, kiwi fruit, broccoli, and orange, orange capsicum is actually really, really high in vitamin C. In fact, orange capsicum per 100 grams is much higher than kiwi fruit. So when it comes to how much iron we need a day, women in their reproductive years have quite high needs, so 18 milligrams a day. And then adult men or um, younger children, boys, men and older adults need about 8 to 10 milligrams a day. So menstruating women need pretty much double, which is, you know, 18 milligrams of iron a day is actually quite a lot. Especially if we go back to thinking about like red meat, if you're looking at about say a palm sized portion of steak, beef steak, that has about three milligrams of iron, just to put that in perspective for you. So who's actually at risk of iron deficiency? Well, like a lot of you listening, endurance athletes definitely, uh, especially runners and especially menstruating endurance athletes. But there's also people who might be consuming an energy restricted diet um, and or that might be intertwined with disordered eating as well. So if someone presents with iron deficiency or chronic iron deficiency, and other more serious health issues or nutrient deficiencies have been ruled out, then it is worth considering, you know, what else is going on because often chronic iron deficiency can be part of that whole cascade of symptoms related to relative energy and sport or REDS. So that is an important consideration. Um, 
Iron deficiency can also commonly be seen in undiagnosed celiac disease or inflammatory bowel disease. People with alcohol dependence, um, pregnant and breastfeeding women, people taking specific medications. So to give a few examples, antacids and protein pump inhibitors can affect iron. Um, obviously, people eating more plant-based diets, so vegetarians and vegans in particular are at real risk of iron deficiency, especially if you combine that with a female in their reproductive years who does a lot of running. Um, people who donate blood regularly, obviously significant blood loss, uh, people altitude training, and yeah, I think that pretty much covers trying to think if there's anything else but that that is mostly the people at increased risk so to finish top tips around iron um don't just go start taking supplements with not knowing what your levels are first or speaking to a health professional like anything um too much of something can actually do as much harm as being deficient so yeah Important, firstly, speak to a medical professional, get a blood test, see where you're at, and then go from there. Also important, if there is unexplained iron deficiency, that the cause is found. That's really important. If you're trying to increase your iron levels, drink your coffee and tea between your main meals, ideally like one and a half to two hours away from the meal, simply because, as I spoke about, those compounds can inhibit iron absorption from the meals. So people who drink excessive amounts of tea and coffee all through the day and at their meals, it's definitely not helping your, your iron absorption. Eat your veggies, not just for your health, but of course, enhancing that iron absorption as well. If you are supplementing iron, it is most effective to take it every second day and try and avoid taking it four to six hours after exercise, just due to that inflammatory response that occurs in hepcidin, which can really interfere with how much iron we absorb. At the end of the day, I say, just take your iron when you're most likely to be consistent with it. Because I'd rather someone's consistent with their iron supplementation than trying to be so perfect about the timing of it that they're taking it once a fortnight. So again, coming back to consistency is the key there. And if someone is taking oral iron and it's poorly tolerated, or there's a really poor response and their ferritin's just not coming up, then an iron infusion should really be considered. Uh, the only thing I would say there is be cautious if it is a comp like um, you are a competitive athlete. It's because there's limits around infusions, but not iron. So iron itself is perfectly safe in sport. But when it comes to the IV infusion of iron, it's limited to 100 mils per 12 hour period. Um, but more than that is prohibited. So um, yeah, really important. So iron itself is fine, given you've got a, a trusted, you know, batch tested supplement. Um, but iron infusion, yeah, be cautious with that. But of course, if you're working with dietitian, um, they will guide you through all of that anyway. So... That's probably all for today, 15 minutes, that's a bite-sized chunk. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed that. Any questions, please get in touch um, and I hope in the near future I can do a more in-depth episode because iron is a pretty cool nutrient, um, or should I say micro-mineral, and it is really important with regards to um, 
athletes and endurance athletes. So I hope you have a wonderful week and yeah, do get in touch with any feedback.